Lose the Cape podcast, episode 159. It's the end of October, and we are closing out the month of pregnancy and infant loss awareness. And I haven't done a lot of talking on the podcast about it, but I did want to close the month with a special interview with someone very near and dear to me who has suffered three late-term losses. Um, We don't only talk about the loss and her story and what happened, but we also talk a lot about the research that she's done since then, the connections that she's made and the information that she found out that led her down a path of really trying to discover what could have caused these these pregnancy losses to occur. So we talk about experiences in the healthcare system and different resources that are available, different information that she found. We talk about a gene called MTHFR and the impact that they that may have had on her losses and all kinds of interesting um, things to go along with it. The biggest thing for me to disclaim before we start this episode is that neither of us are medical professionals, although both of us have experienced the loss of pregnancy and infant, and both of us have done a lot of research and have our own personal experience in it. We are mothers who are driven to find answers, and while the medical communities may not yet accept the uh, the possibilities that we are bringing forward we want to do whatever we can to make sure that moms know that there may be other answers out there that your doctors aren't looking into or aren't aware of. So basically, our biggest uh, thing here is to note, again, we are not medical professionals and you should definitely uh, seek out information from your doctor. But if your doctor's laughing at you, not listening to you, or basically doesn't give a damn, um, we highly suggest that you advocate for yourself and your body and your baby and go find someone who will listen to you. So with that in mind, this is a fairly long interview. We talked about a lot of things and covered a lot of ground. Um, Obviously, if you are recently um, suffering from a loss, you may not want to listen to this interview, although it may help you in uh, when you do decide you're ready to try again, if you are going to have that route. It's also very interesting for anybody who might, um, you know, we're all women, one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage or loss. So the odds that it will impact us or someone that we love are huge. So I would encourage you to listen to this episode and um, share it. And let us know if you've experienced anything like this or have any more research or resources. We definitely want to bring as much awareness as we can and potentially save babies' lives. So I am so grateful to my cousin Juanita for sharing her story. She is not an entrepreneur um, out in the digital world like a lot of people that we interview. She's not an expert in this other than having gone through this three horrific times and done a lot of research on her own. She's not out there to promote anything to anyone. She is just sharing her story in the hopes that it can help another mother and another baby. So thank you again so much, Juanita. I know this was difficult for you to do and... um, I'm proud of you and I love you. Okay, today I have a super special guest on the show, uh, Juanita Von Drinnen Little, <laughs> her married name. She married a man from the Netherlands, a very kind and lovely man from the Netherlands. Um, but she is my cousin, which is very um, cool to have family and friends and people that you love on the show. The reason I inviting her, I invited her on though is pretty sad. And I do want to give a disclaimer for anyone listening. If you have recently suffered a miscarriage, um, a birth of a stillborn baby or infant loss, we're going to be talking about all of those things today. So if that is something that still triggers you or is too hard for you to listen to, I would invite you to skip this episode. Um, however, if you have gone through one of those things and, and want to hear from other moms who know what you may have experienced um, or want to know how to help support someone who has gone through something like this, um, I hope you'll stay because I think it's going to be a great episode uh, October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to her specifically about um, her story and experience so that we can um, 
you know, continue to bring awareness to something that will impact one in four women, probably more than that, because so many miscarriages that happen earlier in pregnancy are not even counted. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a big issue and topic for women. So thank you, Juanita, for being here with me today. Oh, good morning, Alexa. Thank you for inviting me. It's really special of you. You're, you're just amazing what you've done for women and uh, those who've had loss, just supporting them and bringing hope and just, I, you're just amazing. <laughs> I know you've been that for me. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. It, it's, I'm sure um, anybody who, like, it's, it's healing to me to be able to give back. Um, for anyone who's newer to the show, I, um, I lost an infant daughter at two days old. My twins were born premature, suffering from a disease called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. And I won't go fully into that story right now, but basically in my uh, need to heal myself, I started writing and blogging about the topic and then um, put together a book, Sunshine After the Storm, a survival guide for the grieving mother that we donate to hospitals and to moms who have lost babies. Um, and, um, and then created a nonprofit from that because just writing the book wasn't enough for me. I needed to keep going. I needed to keep doing things. And, um, and actually this is probably a great time to announce it because we just got, um, we just got permission from the person, but we are going to be hosting, we, um, my friend, Amy Lands, who is also an author on grief and grieving parents. We are hosting our first grief retreat in May of 2019 in Florida, the weekend of bereaved Mother's Day, which is the weekend prior to um, Mother's Day. So it's going to be a very small, intimate uh, event. We're capping it at eight people, and um, there will be more information coming out about that. But I just wanted to share that while, um, while you brought it up on things happening, Juanita. But now let's talk about you and... Um, and what you went through, because your story is, well, I'm just going to say probably one of the most heartbreaking stories I have ever witnessed and experienced. And I've seen a lot of heartbreaking stories. So I'm going to try my best not to make either of us cry today. But if we do, that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's part of our process. But I would love to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and tell us your story. All right. Wow. It's the first time I've really talked about it publicly, so I'm brand new at this. <laughs> but um, my name is Juanita Von Dernan Little, and we're cousins. And so um, it's just kind of neat to be able to talk to family. There's just that kind of comfort level. Um, I'm an artist, and I love photography, any kind of art. Um, I'm married to this amazing guy, Joris, who I met. He's from the Netherlands, and I lived over there for a while. Um, we ended up moving back to the U.S. to start a family, and that was always our dream. We always wanted kids. I know at least two. Um, so we, we have an amazing 10-year-old named Oliver, um, and... For years, you know, I had studied everything. I was one of those moms that wanted to do it all natural, was so excited. I was on folic acid for like years before we even tried because they said, you know, you have to do everything to get your body in optimum condition, to have a healthy baby, to do everything right. So um, we had tried for a year and we were just about to go <laughs> to a doctor because Nothing was happening. And then magically, Christmas morning, we found out we were expecting Ollie. Oh, and great gift. It was awesome. We got to tell everybody Christmas morning. I mean, we told our immediate family immediately, <laughs> right off the bat. And, oh, my goodness, I had the most amazing pregnancy. No morning sickness. It literally felt like pregnancy was a superpower. I felt amazing. I was so blessed and I just, it was amazing. And the whole time um, I told my obstetrician, I had wanted a midwife, but there were none in the area. That's a whole nother subject is <laughs> natural birth and midwives and doulas. Right. Um, but uh, the only complication, but it didn't end up being a problem, was that I had some fibroids. 
Um, but they were on the outside of the uterus, so he was safe and sound and cozy, and um, he, he did come two weeks early, and they um, suggested a C-section, but he, I just felt amazing. It was amazing. I immediately knew that we wanted more, um, and so when he turned three, we tried again and got pregnant right away. <laughs> it was like, yay, this is meant to be, and... Um, it was different. I could tell this time a um, little bit of nausea feeling, mm -hmm. and um, uh, but I just chalked it up to being a mom and being busy and more tired and more responsibilities. And it was at our 20-week appointment. Um, well, we actually ended up going to different doctors. Um, we traveled far because we wanted a midwife. So we traveled out of town and we were so excited because it was going to be where we found out the gender. So yeah, it was me and yours and we brought Ollie. He was three. So he wasn't in school. <laughs> and for anybody who's lost a baby, having an ultrasound becomes just a whole different thing because we were there. I just remember, you remember the strangest things. The technician rushed out of the room and I remember just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, what if she's sick? I can't be around somebody who's contagious. You think the weirdest things, you don't, you, I never dreamed it was a tragedy. Right. And so they don't tell you anything at all. You're just there and you're looking at your baby. And then I just remember she came back in with the doctor and that's, yeah, that's when they gave us the news. And... Oh, I don't even know how you describe it. Complete and utter shock. <laughs> and just for anyone who's not drawing the lines here, they came back and there was no heartbeat. Yep. Yeah, that's um, the worst news any mom can ever hear, especially at 20 weeks when you believe you're already yeah. safe. Oh, yeah. And then they measure the baby, and it, you find out that it just happened, like, moments ago, days ago, mm. that the baby measures, like, 19 weeks and five days. I mean, it's, you're just like, what happened? Are you sure? Um, just a total shock. Because <laughs> you don't expect that to happen, at least not that far. I just remember thinking like, okay, I made it past 12 weeks. That's when you tell everybody you're in the safe zone. Right. And I just remember him saying things like, it was mother nature, you know, it's common, but I'm like, 20 weeks, what? Right. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, what did I do? What happened? What went wrong? And just complete shock. It's interesting that you said the first thing, what did I do? And so many mothers do that. So many moms immediately wonder what it was that they did or didn't do, how they may have been the cause behind a loss of that nature. And it's, it's, I think that's one of the most difficult parts about grieving a loss like that is that you always wonder if you somehow were the problem, oh, yeah. you know? You do. You do everything. I remember I, I came up with like 10 things and one of them, which leads us to kind of why we're also talking. I remember I had just switched prenatal vitamins. Like I thought, oh my gosh, I just took a new one. Like, could that have done anything? Um, but I was eating, I was actually losing weight. Like, you know, cause I, I hadn't been feeling well, like really healthy. Um, the only other thing I can think of is that I had the blood sugar test, but my levels were normal for that. Um, and just being in shock. We had no idea what to do. I remember after the news, we ended up taking Ollie to the toy store because that was our whole plan along. We promised him we'd take him to Toys R Us. Oh and just being there in complete shock. Yeah. Um, and just not having a clue. That was another thing I was like, I never had thought about it before. Your brain doesn't ever go there that something bad could happen. You only think something positive could happen. So the whole shock on top of that was like, what happens next? Right. You know, and I had no idea. I didn't know, like, does your body absorb it? What happens? I'm so far along, five months. Right. And so that's another horrific thing. There's no gentle um, 
solution after you visit a baby. You either have surgery or you go into labor. So, but I didn't know about the labor part. They just suggested um, a DNC, I believe it's called. And um, so, yeah, we uh, had to make an appointment at the hospital. And I do remember um, you, uh, I was grateful. Everybody is different, but they did put me in the maternity ward. But for me, that they treated me like his mom. Yeah, I can I can see how how people would take those two different ways. One that that you are being acknowledged that your baby is a baby and matters, and that's a huge deal, and that you are there delivering your baby. But I can also see other people who would be like, I can't believe you would put me around other mothers who are having live babies. But I I love your perspective on that as well because I think so many so many moms do like that's the that's one of our biggest issues is that we want people to acknowledge our beautiful baby. And, it, and she was a girl, right? She was. Yes. Um, we, they ended up doing an autopsy and that was part of what they discovered. Um, we could find out the gender um, because they couldn't tell through the ultrasound, unfortunately. And so all the testing found nothing wrong. She was perfect because they, they did say, well, it's funny because they were like, well, she probably had a genetic disorder and she wouldn't have survived anyway, but she didn't. <laughs> she was perfect. Perfect. So, um, yeah, that took us quite a while to get over, um, but we didn't give up. We, we ended up trying again and about a year and a half later, um, we were expecting again. And, um, we were at our 15 week appointment and I was getting, um, the gestational diabetes tests. So I was with my midwife and yours was Ollie with us. I think he was with us too. <laughs> and they were, they couldn't find the heartbeat doing the, they just were doing the little belly heartbeat thing. And yeah, it happened again. And this time, did you all, I mean, for, I'm so sorry. It's so heartbreaking. I just can't even imagine. You know, we talk to lots of women who have rainbow babies, and that is they're, you're terrified after you've suffered a loss as to what will happen the next time around. Oh, it's so true. Every single day, you kind of live in fear because you know, you're still getting over what happened before. And then you want to have hope that, you know, they tell you, nope, it's kind of a fluke. It won't happen again. Higher chances that everything will be fine. And it wasn't. And I couldn't figure out what I did different or what's going on. And, and they did testing again this time? Yep. Yep, they did. Um, nothing wrong. We found out that we were having a boy. And perfect, perfect little boy. You know, none of the, the things that can cause early loss, like um, so-called trisomy and all sorts of things. Um, perfect. I mean, they tested, I thought they, they told me they did 200 different tests. Oh my gosh. And perfect genetically. Um, so again, we're absolutely shocked, blown away. Um, and we were struggling with, okay, this, how, how would this happen twice? You know, like help us, what, what else can we do? And something I didn't tell you that happened, that happens to a lot of women, um, on the first loss, I remember being like, just in shock and like, help us like wanting answers, you know, what, what happened? And I remember the doctor told us, um, well, not until you have three losses can we do extensive testing. And I was just like, I remember wanting to just throw up. Yeah. <laughs> she was a woman. She had kids. And I just, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, what, what do you mean? I have to go through this two more times before yeah. I'm helped. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just shocking. And I found out later 
that it's like a kind of a thing that they do before maybe insurance kicks in or they consider it um, important to look into. I don't know. I mean, we, my midwife managed to get some other tests done, um, like looking for progesterone. Um, uh, what else did we do? I found out there were some simple things that every woman could have done with just a simple blood test before she even gets pregnant to just have those proactive things to even get her through the first couple weeks, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, we not, we're not even tested for any of that stuff. I was just so surprised. Yeah. Um, I think we were so devastated that they did do the blood clotting disorder test on me finally mm -hmm. to discover. And I didn't have any of, uh, the, the main ones, yeah. um, so that are really common at this point in time you you've lost two babies both two babies. 15 weeks or beyond 15 and 20 weeks the boy was 15 and the girl was 20 and both zero babies. answers zero answers Nothing why wrong with you both babies were perfect no answers and because you had only lost <laughs> two you weren't a candidate for any of the extensive testing no then your story continues. Yep, we, we think, okay, <laughs> um, maybe we're just super unlucky. And we, we never dreamed Ollie would ever be a single child. So we thought, okay, we'll try again. Um, I, the, the testing I did have done, they had me do where they put dye in you and they check your uterus. And because I had worried, what if it is the fibroids? What if there's something? Um, but they were on the outside. They weren't restricting any growth of my babies. Mm -hmm. um, my uterus was fine because that was another story. The doctor, when Ollie was born, only stitched me once. He didn't double stitch after the C-section. And so I found out from my midwives that they thought I wouldn't be a good candidate for natural childbirth because of his decision. Mm. And so that was devastating to me, his, his whole thing. That was a whole nother story of, um, yeah, how <laughs> he ended up being fired after 10 years of horrific behavior towards women. Oh my gosh. And I reported what happened to me and nobody acknowledged it. They just, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. That's why um, yeah, I had even trauma for that. That would be a whole, a, a, another discussion we could have entirely on how you went from wanting it all natural to having a C-section and then not even being properly treated after your C-section. So, but, but we have, yeah. we have important things to continue on with this story. So, so after all that, um, we, we ended up getting pregnant again about a year and a half after our, we lost our second son. And this time, I mean, talk about the fear I had. I couldn't go to the doctor without somebody with me. <laughs> I was just so afraid. And I remember um, just out of superstition, I know you do crazy things. I ended up going back to the doctors in Sioux City thinking Ollie was born safe. Let's just, it was winter. And so I just thought I'll, I'll see the doctors here until it's uh, spring and I'll go back to Sioux Falls. And um, I remember telling him about what would happen and I ended up getting a maternal fetal uh, doctor here and I had checkups every two weeks. Um, and you know, they, I just remember him telling me, don't be scared. I think I cried every single appointment. <laughs> um, the, the one thing that they ended up doing for me, the last two pregnancies, um, I ended up seeing a, um, oh man, I don't remember the term, but it was like a IVF doctor who ended up, they ended up doing the test. My midwife suggested there's a test for progesterone. So I was on progesterone and then ended up doing shots I think at about week 12 or 13 thinking you know that was one thing that they could help me do but my levels seemed to be okay but I'm like nope give them to me anyway and I wanted to be on them the whole pregnancy um so I remember I was at the 20-week appointment and 
I was like, no, I got to be brave. I cannot live so negatively. So I remember I ended up going to the appointment by myself. <laughs> the first one, I'm like, nope, I'm going to be brave. I can do this. Everything's going to be okay. Don't be ridiculous. And, uh, oh my gosh, uh, at the appointment, I ended up having the ultrasound. And by then I knew. <laughs> I knew I couldn't see the heartbeat. So. Um, I, I remember being at the appointment and recognizing on the screen there was no heart beating. Okay. And just Is feeling like, like what week this time? 20 weeks, exactly oh 20 gosh. weeks. 20 weeks. And I know that the week after we were going to have uh, find out the gender. And so um, this is just my regular appointment and to get the progesterone shot. And I just remember freaking out because I was alone. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my gosh, nobody's here and not believing it. No, I remember when Yoris sent us the message and I was like, I was so angry. I was so <laughs> angry for you guys. I was like, this cannot be this cannot be possible. It can't be happening again. Yeah, I just oh my gosh, I just couldn't believe it because I had I I'd gone to them thinking maybe they'd know some new things, and I'll never forget my first appointment. And telling them, like, I have these fears. I've had two losses. And I'm like, is there anything you can do? And they gave me no advice. Like, she didn't recommend anything. I had to beg for the progesterone. <laughs> oh and I had to beg for them to test it. And it costed a copay every time. I went in every week and got it. And so, I mean, it was like $500 worth of progesterone shots. Is that great? Like, just going in and doing it. Um, and I'll never forget, like, how they just looked at me like, I just thought, there, isn't there anything you guys can do? And they're like, just everything will be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> no. And it, we ended up going back to Sioux Falls um, after that. Um, and I ended up being in surgery. And again, they did the genetic testing. And my, we had a girl. She was a girl. And she was absolutely perfect absolutely perfect. I mean, we had ultrasounds every two weeks. There were no complications. Growing wonderful. She didn't have, what is that called? The nuchal cord thing where they check. Perfect. Um, no genetic issues. So after that, um, and having absolutely zero answers, I just couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, what is going on? How can nobody have any answers? What happened? And so um, a couple of months went by and I don't know if you know, but after a loss, your body still acts pregnant for three months. It takes three months. I mean, the little things that people don't realize is that after every loss, I mean, when, when I was in the hospital, like I had a lactation consultant visit me mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, like you don't realize everything your body still goes through as if you're pregnant, right? right. Everything. And the testing on me couldn't be done until 90 days, three months until my body wasn't pregnant anymore. So um, with the hormones and such. So I ended up having those tests. And again, nothing wrong. I didn't have any viruses or um, they couldn't find anything. And I didn't want to give up. So I noticed that there was something... I remember feeling like melancholy and like a sadness and after Ollie and feeling like superwoman, these three pregnancies, I felt low and tired. And I remembered things like skin breakouts. My nails were brittle, um, like cold sores, um, just feeling wiped out, depressed, um, completely different than I had felt. And so I entered all of these symptoms that I had um, online because I'm like, well, it wasn't normal. I just knew that something was different because um, I should say that I didn't know exactly when I lost my babies. I didn't feel anything different. In fact, I made them do like two or three ultrasounds because I didn't believe them. I thought it wasn't true. Um, but when I entered this info online, it came up with vitamin deficiency. 
Mm. And I thought, oh no, like I've been on prenatal vitamins. I was on folic acid for 10 years. Right. Taking these, I mean, I was buying, well, to be honest, I was just buying whatever was on sale at Target for prenatals. Because <laughs> 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 they're expensive. I don't know if men realize how much we pay for girl stuff, but um, I just remember being like, well, this doesn't make any sense. I was eating tons of veggies and fruit. My diet was as impeccable as I could have it be with this other life inside of me. And then all of a sudden something came up about folic acid and I discovered something called MTHFR. And it's a very, very long word. And basically it has to do with it's a genetic, a genetic mutation that 80% of the population has. And what it means is that we can't metabolize folic acid. And I just, I think taking all this folic acid. and all the prenatal vitamins I had been taking the different kinds, cause I was just getting whatever was on sale. And I kid you not, the first two losses coincided with me even switching brands, which of course the doctor said I was nuts. It didn't have anything to do with it. But I was thinking of everything possible, like I had done different in the days before. Um, I remember immediately calling my doctors and saying, have I been tested for this? Because I mean, at the very the third loss, they did do extensive testing on me. Mm. And they're like, nope, we haven't tested you for it. And one of the things that said, of course, I know people are going to say, what are you doing online? What are you doing on the internet? But it was connected to miscarriage. And um, they were like, oh my gosh, no. And I ended up, but just to ease my mind, they did test me. And so I had the test and I ended up having it. And I ended up having what's called uh, one mutation called C677T. And uh, I ended up spending all my nights online researching other women with similar things. And I discovered there were a lot out there like me. And they'd have one healthy firstborn and then unexplained losses, especially late losses and stillbirths. Mm. And we all had this MTHFR as a common denominator. And what I discovered was that a lot of people didn't believe it was a factor whatsoever, unless you had one of the other uh, mutations. It begins with an A, and that one's linked to blood clots. And I had been tested for all the major blood clotting issues and didn't have them that are associated with miscarriage, except for this one. And um, when I talked to them about it, I said, oh my word, I've been eating folic, folic I've been having folic acid, vitamins, for 10 years. And when I started looking at the amount, and then I discovered um, what I need to say is folic acid, which all of us, I, I had no idea. I thought it was something natural found in our food. And folic acid is actually synthetic. It was, it's man-made. And I couldn't believe it. I thought, what? Um, unfortunately, we use, uh, what, what we should be having is folate, which is found in foods, is natural. And, um, but they're used interchangeably and they really shouldn't. And I found out that the government's been fortifying our foods um, regularly since 1998. And so it's in bread, it's in rice, it's in, um, it's even put in food that's given to animals. So it's in chicken, it's in crackers, it's almost in everything. <laughs> and so not only was I taking um, 400, um, I think it was MGs, the folic acid, whatever the recommended amount was. I had it in, in God knows how much food I was eating, right. but I didn't know the limit. And so all this time I had been having toxic levels. And I remember talking to my doctor about it. And I was shocked because even though they tested it for me, I think they just did it after because of all the losses I had. But they told me that's not the reason. He he looked me in the eye and said, I could give you a prescription for 10,000 milligrams and it wouldn't hurt you. Oh and they didn't believe me that it was synthetic. I said, but didn't you guys realize it's, it's not even, um, it's not even real. It's right. folate is what we need. They didn't believe me. They said, that's not true. <laughs> and so it was really hard to hear because I felt like this is something. It was a clue. It was an answer. Yeah. And, um, 
and um, nobody wanted to accept it. Um, I was able to get a prescription though for folate for methylated vitamins and the first day I took them um, within an hour there was a huge change a huge change I literally remember I felt like when I was pregnant with my son this vibrancy clarity um, it was life-changing just by taking this vitamin which vitamin? Do you remember the name? Is it something that has to be prescribed, or is that something? It is. It's considered medical food, even though it's just um, it's B vitamins. Um, it was called Metanex, and uh, it was one that I found about online. Because there's a lot out there. A lot of doctors. Um, sorry, that's my computer doing the. <laughs> it's all right. Reading emails. I don't know how to shut that off. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, there were different kinds, and some doctors uh, were giving women um, ones that actually had folic acid and not folate. And but this was one I discovered, and it's very expensive. <laughs> A three-month supply was one hundred fifty dollars. Wow! But um, I had been on that. They they uh, I found out about that and took it, and I felt it was life changing. Mm -hmm. Things I anxieties I had disappeared really, really, uh, were almost eliminated things that I had had noticed and didn't even realize and just thought chalked it up to OCD or, um, things, uh, it was just life changing. And I thought this is not a coincidence. This is really real. You know, I have a, I have a question just based on the fact that you were living in Europe for so long before you got pregnant and Ollie and they don't have all of these things in their foods and in all of the stuff going on there. Um, how long was it from the time when you came back to the States until you actually conceived? Do you know? A year. A year. Yep. The thought just ran through my head the other day. I wondered if it was because when you came back, you would have been clean, like really clean. Yeah. Because they don't put so many things in their in their foods chains that we put in ours, so it would have taken a little bit of time for your body to build up all of that that stuff. Yeah. Which by the time you had second, third, and fourth pregnancies, your body would have been at those toxic levels, whereas you weren't yeah. with him. Yeah, but I do remember over there, I did buy folic acid, and I oh, doubt right. it was folate, right. but I would have been taking. Um, but I remember taking it over there because I knew we wanted to try and they said, take it years. Like yeah. it, it was recommended just start even way before you, you even try just to make your body healthy and protect those babies. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I thought I was doing what was right. So you've been doing all of this research and you, and you come to find out that the MTHFR, which ironically, um, one of my, I'm in a group of of women and we talk about all kinds of different things. And the other day, one of them brought up this gene and um, it turns out that almost of the five of us in this in the group, three of them are positive for it. I have symptoms that sound, they're like, you should go get checked for it. And then the, the fifth one um, knows other people that have it too, but they, we were laughing because one of the girls was like, we call it the motherfucker gene in our family <laughs> because it's such a pain and like, just like messes everything up. But, um, yes. um, so, so you, you found all these other women who have had late miscarriages and, and have the same gene, right? So has there been any more like talk with medical or any other information that you've been able to find that can, makes that connection? Well, here's what's interesting. Um, the only doctor I found, there were actually two. None of the ones that I saw thought it had anything to do with it. I mean, I think they were sympathetic, but they said, we're really sorry. My, my midwife just admitted, um, you know, I'm sorry, I just don't know enough about it, but I'm willing to learn with you. And so that was hopeful. But I remember just feeling completely lost. I thought a, there were two geneticists we had access to. And they sent us to uh, a doctor to find out. But it ended up being where they tried to push IVF on us. And I could get pregnant. It was just maintaining the pregnancy. And so that was frustrating. And talking to the geneticist, I thought, okay, here's our answer. He'll know everything about this. And I was absolutely shocked. He started yelling at me and was like, 
yeah, he was like, you need to stop um, bringing that up. It has absolutely nothing to do with your loss. You're just looking for something to be wrong. That's what he said. This was just weeks after we lost our third baby. And I just remember feeling like, oh my gosh, why is nobody even considering it at all? Um, What I found, and then I just spent literally months, if not over a year, up at night reading these stories of other women. None of us had answers, but this was what we had in common. And I remember just searching and searching, and I just wanted to mention this. There's a doctor in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, named Dr. Barbara Topin, Mm -hmm. and she has a book um, that I ended up finding called One in Four, Shifting the Balance on Pregnancy Loss. And she's an OBGYN, and her practice has an 8% miscarriage rate, which is pretty amazing because normally be up to 25%. And I read her book and I felt like the women in it were me. They were stories very, very similar. They've given up hope. Nobody would help them. There were just no answers, no testing done. Um, She talked about the story women got where you lose one baby and where they were told also, you have to lose three before we do anything. And she brought up like, Nobody tells that somebody who had a heart attack. You have to have right. more before we help you, you know, to put it in perspective, how awful that so is to true. hear. It's so true. And, and you know what? And the thing that makes me the most upset about that whole thing is that a miscarriage is disruptive. Like you're, even early on, I mean, it is, it's a, it's a horrific thing to happen to your body but mental health wise and all these kinds of things, like it's, it's insane to me that they would just write it off and be like, oh, because this happens to so many women. Well, why? Maybe we should be saying why instead of saying you have to do, and I'm sorry, at 15 to 20 weeks, that is not normal. Three, three times. And it's, I'm not the only one discovering women like thinking, oh my gosh, this is happening to so many more and, and no explanations, no help. Um, but this woman, she was helping women. She was helping the families at her practice. And oh, that's great. something that I didn't explain because I'm not a doctor, but it's all out there. I need to explain what probably happened to me and what caused it. Um, because of the folic acid, because my body couldn't process, metabolize it, it builds up in the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And what I believe happened and what the theory is that happens to these other women is that um, the blood was clotting and it wasn't enough to hurt me, but it was enough to um, cause blood clots in the placenta for the baby. Oh, wow. And it just happens to be like the same time every pregnancy, like it just was enough to build up and then stop the heart from beating. And what I, the things I was on, like it was great that I was on progesterone, we covered that base. But what I discovered was um, women who have this, kind of the magic elixir to have them have their rainbow baby is also being on a blood thinner. And had I been on a blood thinner, now I realize I think my babies would have been here had I been on heparin and that would have been um, a shot in my stomach one or two times a day throughout the whole pregnancy. And, um, and of course, taking folate, eliminating folic acid as much as we can, um, basically eating stuff from the ground, from the earth, untouched by humans, not unfortified foods. And um, my, my babies would probably still be here. And it's working for her women. She's doing, she lists all these. What is her name again? Her name is Barbara Topin. Okay. And we're definitely going to put the the link to her book in there because, I mean, I think probably the most discouraging thing, and I experienced this when I went through our situation with our babies too, like we had a syndrome that was, that affects between 20 to 25% of, of identical twins, which is a huge even though identical twins as a subset of the population are small, like that's a large percentage of that population. Right. And it was shocking to me how little doctors knew about um, twin to twin transfusion syndrome and shocking to me that 
my doctor skipped my 16 week ultrasound, which had they discovered it at that point in time, instead of at the 20 week, um, there's uh, the actions that we took to try and save them may have been more effective. But by the time we made it to 20 weeks, there was so much fluid buildup in her heart cavity and in her abdomen that we were already to the point where we were stage four and death of one or both babies was imminent. And um, yeah, it was, it was the, the shocking point of the whole thing to me was that like how little I learned so much about our medical healthcare system and insurance at that point in time, but how, how little so many doctors, how few doctors are willing to open their minds to the fact that it may not be what they always thought it was, or that there might be new research out there, or that there might be something to what we are putting in our foods and in our environment, and that those things are impacting our babies and impacting our bodies. And to, to know that there is a doctor out there who is looking at a different approach, who is willing to listen to women, who is willing to look at new information. And the, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway that I take from your situation and my situation is that we have to be, have to, have to, have to be advocates for our own bodies and for our babies, because the people that we are relying on to take care of us and to give us the best information generally don't know what the hell they're talking about. I mean, I know. outside of the normal scope of things, right? I'm not going to say all doctors are dumb because obviously we need them, but I <laughs> right. just felt that they, they're unwilling to listen to anything different. Oh my gosh. It's heartbreaking to me that there were proactive, simple tests that could have yes. saved their children yes. and that nobody ever considered. And, and their ultrasounds, a blood test. Oh my word. Our babies would be here. There's a so huge. What are those tests? Well, if you don't mind sharing with what you learned so that um, other mothers know. Well, I will. There's a little like cheap hack. I will be honest. The test, I wonder if it's I, the MTHFR test done in a doctor's office because it's not considered really necessary. Uh-huh. Um, it's expensive. I think oh, it'd yeah. be like thousands of dollars and like insurance wouldn't cover it. But here's the little secret. You can do any DNA test, Ancestry.com, 23andMe. Sorry about that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're the only ones still with the home phone the whole way. (laughs) Of course it rings. Um, You can take any one of those Ancestry DNA tests and they come with this raw DNA uh, data and there's programs online you can enter it and it will tell you for like 80 bucks if you get these things on sale it will tell you all sorts of things um it'll tell you mthfr which ones you have it'll tell you i believe there's even things like the breast cancer gene whether you might be predisposition for like diabetes or all these things for 90 dollars instead of That is so crazy, which I'm sorry, just leads me to another one of my biggest like beefs with our medical system. And that is that everything is so flipping overinflated through, if you could get it through the ancestry.com for $99 and they're thousands of dollars in the doc, something wrong. There's something wrong with this. I know. Can you believe it? That's just from a spit test. That's, you don't even have to draw your blood. You just spit in a little tube. (laughs) (laughs) and we we had our whole family done everybody and are you are you ready for this ollie and yours don't have it they don't have it i caught it um we had everybody done and it came down Um, my dad had the genes my mom doesn't have it she doesn't have mthfr wow um so i don't know i am not at all scientific i didn't ever do good but i i'm like does that mean anything does blood type mean anything i'm just thinking why aren't they collecting data and just trying to do studies of people who have losses of all different things and, and trying to find answers. I can't find anything out there that they're studying and finding. Um, I don't know. The, the March of Dimes is supposed to be studying stuff like this. I haven't gone out. Maybe I should go look at their website and see if they have anything about, um, about the MTFR gene and, um, and pregnancy. I, I did a little bit of research on it and saw that people who have autoimmune diseases are prone to um, MTHFR. And, um, you know, and it, it in particular mentions Hashimoto's, which I have. Oh my gosh. Um, 
you should get studied and, or have the test. You should have the DNA test. And, um, and if that's the case, you know, that I'm so, so, so very lucky to have three living, healthy babies. Um, but yeah, yes. Um, but it can, if you know, and if you just delete, you know, if, if so many people, if they would know, it's really an easy fix. Well, it's turkey. I mean, finding foods now, but um, you just eliminate folic acid and your health. The, all the benefits that could be there. I mean, it's connected to so many things, Alzheimer's, diabetes. Did you know what? Ready for this? The, the metanics, guess what it's for? Guess what it was created for? Diabetic neuropathy, which is pain and uh, like in your extremities, your feet. Um, um, and I don't have diabetes, but I will say, isn't it strange how after I took the, you know, they make you take the sugar test. Um, I found out. I lost two of my babies right after that. So um, I just, my body just was overwhelmed. I believe it. I believe it in my heart and soul after everything I've been through. And um, I don't know. We, in my heart, I'd love to try again. But I don't know if I could survive a fourth time of, of everything. Yeah. We were oh, I know. I, I, am, I can't even imagine. You know, it's interesting. And I'm going to have to send, this is, um, this is kind of discouraging, actually. I just looked up on the March of Dimes website, and mm -hmm. it looks like they just are standing ground with the CDC recommendation of 400 milligrams of or MCGs of folic acid. If it says if you have MTHFR variant, taking 400 MCG of folic acid every day can help prevent MCGs in your baby, but it does not even address. Um, it says if your, your provider may want to test you for another MTHFR variant, if you ha have high levels of a substance called homocysteine. Yes, that's important. Your homocysteine levels have to be normal. Otherwise, a whole host of things can happen. Right. So this that's another level that should be checked by women who are pregnant. Make sure that level's under control. It's directly related to MTHFR. The home, home, home homocysteine. And I don't think my level was ever checked. That's one thing I always wanted to go back and check to see if they did test me for that and had it been high. Um, wow. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad because it's really sad because medical professionals will, will, and I experienced this as an adult going to my rheumatologist when I told him that I really felt like there was a connection between my autoimmune diseases and what's what I'm eating. And he like laughed in my face. He was like, well, if it makes you feel better not to eat gluten and dairy, then don't eat gluten and dairy. But yeah. I will say, and we talked about this when I saw you in September, I was pleased that the next time I went back for a visit with him, he, I had taken him some things and I said, I would really like you to check into, I would just like you to do your research on it because I am seeing a lot of research that is connecting food and autoimmune diseases. And the next time I went back, he had done some research on it and he said that he did see a connection between gluten and autoimmune diseases, it still was not enough for him to tell people not to take their medication, but, but he was starting to see that there was a connection and that perhaps there is something to be said before um, gluten and the impact on leaky gut, which then impacts um, your whole body's health, really. Oh, yeah. But, um, so, but, but it is very discouraging. And the reason I brought that up at all. It's very discouraging when doctors and, and major research agencies are, are unwilling to look at a group and say, well, this is odd. There's at least, you know, I don't know how many women you've come in touch with, but there's at least X number of women who have this gene mutation and have all suffered late losses, which a late loss, I'm sorry, is not a common thing. No, not at all. No, it's, in fact, when I, I was reading the statistics and they said, like, any loss after, like, 12 weeks, is a, your chances go down to, like, I thought it was, like, really low, like, below 10%. Like, it's super, super yeah. rare. Right. But, um, so what, why did it happen to me three times? Why are there other women with multiple times, even more than that, late, late losses with no explanation, you know, no, no knots in the cord, no 
genetic issues with the baby. What is happening to us? Why is this happening? And why are they dismissing something that we all have in common? Yeah, absolutely. And it's such an easy, easy thing to look at and fix. Um, You know, folate, folate, folate. Well, I will share this. I was reading because I was wondering why, why aren't they doing folate in vitamins? Um, it's very expensive um, sure. compared to folic acid. Folic acid is pennies to produce and folate's very, very expensive. So um, that might be one of the reasons is money, which is a horrible reason. You know, if it helps people and saves lives, we need to figure this out and make it available. Absolutely. Can you share where you connected with the other women that have also experienced losses and the MTHFR? Oh my gosh, this was years ago. I will be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Like I I had to take a little break. Um, Just on mental, like my own sanity and just kind of put off what happened to me for a bit. But I will, there was, was it called Baby Center? It was these message boards. Oh yeah. And I remember reading them because I had started out on them just reading them. I didn't really participate. It was like, we were all expecting and all due in a certain month and reading about things. And then all of a sudden, I was in another message group of loss, and they were there were similar things. And um, when I when I finally discovered about them, THFR, then I joined those groups. I know there's some on Facebook. Um, you see, there's different types of MTHFR. Yes. So um, it's funny because there's one version that had I had, which I don't. It's the one that starts with an A. They would have immediately probably put me on blood thinners. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I have the C1, they believe it's not linked. But um, I thousands and hundreds, you know, thousands of families would beg to differ if that would have saved their baby's life. Yeah, absolutely. But now that I know different, I really make conscious choices to not have folic acid. Um, I mean, we don't buy cereal anymore. Um, I don't eat breads. Um, The vitamins, I I take them religiously. And boy, I'm in the fruit and veggie aisle (laughs) every time I'm in the store getting things as natural as possible to just, just to be healthy, you know women are suffering other problems. And I believe it could, I would not be shocked if you have it. Um, yeah. And that's what's causing, because you know what? Everything that has gluten, I would suggest, wouldn't a high percentage also have folic acid? Wouldn't it also be? Very likely. to be connected? Could it, what if it is folic acid as yeah. well? Okay. If not, even a bigger problem than gluten. I don't know. These are just things I question and I wonder because they cause people are suffering. That's a really good question though, because if you think about the major stuff that I would be consuming with gluten, it's bread, it's pasta, it's cereal. It's all those things that you always see on it because they they make it look like such a good thing. Fortified with folic acid, you know, and you see it everywhere. It's synthetic. It's not meant, a lot of people, it's toxic. You know, our bodies can't process it and it's, and it, but what we have to be careful about is that it's even in things what I, what I read is the top three things were rice, chicken, and breads. Oh my gosh. And I eat a lot of rice and chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they put it in the animal's food too, you know. Right. So. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Crazy, right? But I, you know, I, I was thinking, because I, I haven't really talked publicly, but I remember just telling my husband, like, why did this happen to us? And you just, you have to turn it into like, not order to be like so low and depressed and completely fall apart. You got to figure out something positive out of it. And I just thought, even though a lot of doctors don't think anything, if if another woman hears this and just looks at it and maybe gets tested and it helps save her baby, I mean, anything. And it's, it's hard because so many doctors just didn't believe me and said, it's nothing to worry about it. Move on. But this book, that's why I brought up that book. Because even though I've never met Barbara Chopin, she brought me so much peace and hope. Because mm-hmm. even though I never met her, her book just made me feel like somebody believed me and yeah. believed that there was a possibility and some hope. Yeah. And so I would recommend that book to anybody who had lost just to... And, and fire your doctor if they're not going to believe you. Oh, but that's so hard. I mean, like I live in the middle of the hard. West. 
it's hours away to the next doctor. (laughs) Even, even in a place, I mean, I just think about when I was pregnant with Ella with my second one, it turns out that I was developing lupus at the time. And, um, and my doctor, I mean, she shrugged me off when I told her I was, um, I was having like, Oh, Juanita, it was like horrific pain in my knees to the point when I was climbing stairs, I, I want, I was like crying from the pain of going up and down stairs. Right. And I told her in my appointment, I was like, my knees hurt so badly. And she was like, you're pregnant. Of course your knees hurt. You're carrying extra weight. I was like, I've gained like seven pounds. <laughs> this should not be like tearing me down into pain. And turns out after Ella was born and the pain didn't go away and the swelling got worse and worse. And, you know, on my mom's side of the family, we have rheumatoid arthritis and some other things. So she was like, I think you should go see a rheumatologist. And that's when they started doing all the tests and, um, and they all came back like just blown out of the water. They wouldn't have been able to do anything for me while I was pregnant pretty much because you can't do x-rays. You can't do a lot of those things. They could have done the blood tests and I could have started taking medication when I was pregnant, I suppose. Um, but it just, it's infuriating. It's like, I know, I, I know that there are lots of women who come in and they see a lot of women every day and they probably hear the same, you know, complaints all the time. Oh, my knees hurt. Oh, this happens. Oh, you know, I'm scared of, I looked up on the internet and I found this and this, but the, the way they shuttle us through appointments so quickly. And I mean, there's make, and, and quite often make you feel like an idiot. If you ask a question a lot of times or yell at you, if you suggest that something may be, connected that they just don't see as a possibility. It's like, it's infuriating to me. I would love to lead a march against <laughs> doctors that don't give a shit, you know? Isn't it, oh, it's, it's, it's devastating. Cause I remember talking to somebody, we found our dream pediatrician for our son. And sometimes the way she cares, that's like 60% of getting better of like yeah. the whole medicine is that yeah. caring and the listening and the compassion. Yes it's life changing when you don't feel well and when they care and when they don't, holy cow, I'm, I'm like traumatized from some of my experiences. Yes. I, I understand Um, completely. You know, I'll never forget. Like even when I went after telling the doctors I've had three losses and I'm scared to pieces, it's going to happen again. Um, I remember she just looked at me and just shrugged and just said, well, I don't care. Today we're testing you for STDs because that's the one of the first tests they give pregnant women now. You know, <laughs> and I just remember being like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure." I, I walked out. I believe I did walk out. I was like, "I know I don't have that. I know I don't need that test." And you're not caring whatsoever about anything I just told you. So I walked I walked out. Good and then for I, you. But another example is I went in to just my main doctor. Um, something like a bad cold, like sinus infection, something like that. And the nurse never took my, uh, like blood pressure, weight, temperature, nothing. Uh-huh. I thought, well, I want to know, cause you know, just do I, am I got a virus, but you know, who knows? Um, when the doctor came in, I just said, I really like to know what my temperature is. You know, if I have a fever, you know, my blood pressure and she goes, she goes, no, they took it. They did. And I'm like, no, I think I would remember that. <laughs> I think I would remember being waited on that. that five minutes ago, and I'm yeah. quite certain it didn't happen. And she goes, no, no, it's right here in your records. And she's looking at her computer, and I just remember thinking, I just want to leave. Like, you don't even believe me that I haven't had my weight or my blood pressure or my temperature taken. So when I left, I saw the nurse, and the doctor was looking at her stuff, and I said, I'd like you to do all three of these things right now. And she goes, that's right. I didn't do it. And then the doctor looks at me and just goes, oh, yeah, I was looking at your statistics from your last visit. And I'm like, oh, my God. They didn't believe me at all. Like, just the simple little basic test that you should, every person deserves to have done. Totally didn't believe me. And they just want to make you feel like a crazy person. And you just felt like you didn't matter. Right. <laughs> and the office was, no, I was the only patient. So, you know, people are like, they're busy in this. No, no, they didn't no. care. Right. <laughs> they're, sh- they're shuttling you through. Well, Juanita, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I mean, it is, like I said, I think one of the most heartbreaking stories I have ever heard. I wish it had a 
I wish I had a happier ending. Um, me too, me too. I, I just wish and pray that the other families out there struggling, I hope you do find answers. I hope you do find people that help. I mean, there's caring people out there, um, you know, that really, really do care. Um, and just also, there's just, I wish we could talk even longer. There's just so many different things that could help and things I learned. One little thing that helps, you know, um, you kind of brought up a little bit like the bills and stuff, but um, our hospital in Sioux Falls had a nurse who looked over all our bills because I couldn't even look at the bills. Oh, honey, I'm and she made sure, and she, she caught errors and stuff. Um, so look into that, just things like that. That's so hard. You pay all this money and you don't bring your baby home. Mm-hmm. And it can be devastating, just all the little things. And um, I just, yeah, I just wish everybody, I just hope there's positive outcomes. And I hope that there's hope and studies done to help women. I mean, a lot of this, what if it was preventable and nobody did anything and continues to do nothing? Well, my, my philosophy on it is that it might just be a coincidence, but what if it's not? So if there's any chance that somebody can, you know, have these tests done, if, if I would say to anyone who has experienced multiple losses, particularly if they're 12 weeks or after, that you should just go get the test done and you should look into some of these things and make your doctor listen to you. And if they won't, go find a different doctor and definitely get this one in four book Shifting the Balance on Pregnancy yep. Loss by Barbara Topin. And yep. we'll have the link in the show notes so you can easily click over. Um, but yep. look at wonderful you. info in there. Because some women may need to start the blood thinners right off the bat. Yeah. So like right when they find out they're pregnant or even earlier when they're trying, just so um could save their baby. Yeah. I have a very good friend who's had two losses at the 15 and 17 week. Point. And when I heard, when we talked more in depth about your story, like I, I, and I know they still want to have another baby. So I am definitely like sending all this information to her and saying, do this research, find this stuff, you know, get this test. Yes. And same with, same with them. They did all kinds of testing and um, absolutely nothing wrong with those babies. Oh my gosh. Definitely look into it. It could be switching your prenatals. Mm-hmm progesterone, blood thinners, and zero folic acid in your diet. Folate, folate, folate. <laughs> I oh, I hope she, I hope it would help. Oh my goodness. I hope so too. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing your story and hopefully um, we will help other women in this situation and save some babies. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Alexa.